0: Hello everyone and welcome to the podcast More Than Medical Students, the podcast that brings forward inspiring medical students and shares their journeys, the exciting projects they're part of and how this can also inspire you. My name is Marianne and I'm the host and creator of this podcast. You may know me from my Instagram page called Marianne Does Medicine where I share my day-to-day life as a medical student as well as tips for other students. We are medical students, but we are all so much more than that. Join me in this podcast to celebrate our diversity, our uniqueness and what really makes us, us. Everyone and welcome to this new episode of the podcast. Thank you so much for tuning in. Today, I'm here with Rifki. Rifki, thank you so much for joining me today on the podcast. Do you want to start by introducing yourself for everyone? Yes.
1: Hi, I'm Rifki. Um, also, could be known as Rebecca. The names are interchangeable, um, and I'm so happy to be here. Thank you so much for having me. Uh, when I saw this podcast, I think it was on Ruby and Medicine's feed, I knew that I wanted an opportunity to speak because I do believe that as medical students, we are so much more than that. So I'm excited to get into it.
0: Great. Yeah. And thank you so much for yeah reaching out and taking the time as well out of your super busy schedule to uh, come and chat to us today. We have a lot to talk about. So um, you are um, like graduated medical student now, almost going to start residency, and you're from the U.S. So do you want to tell us a bit more about your journey and how you got to where you are today?
1: Oh, for sure. So I'm originally from New York. I grew up in the suburbs of New York City with my family. My dad, he's a physician, and I have a twin brother and a younger sister. Um, I always knew I wanted to be a doctor. Something that was very pivotal in my journey, I guess, to become a physician was when I was in fifth grade, my mom, who was 34 at the time, was diagnosed with breast cancer. And that experience is definitely something that to find me and my journey and sort of what I wanted to do as I grew up. I became involved in a lot of activities that focused on women's health and women's advocacy and research that tried to, I guess, further um, explain, further, I guess, enhance the patient provider communication and patient-provider relationship, which I think is really important when patients are going through such a difficult time. And I went to Barnard for college, Barnard of Columbia University. I studied psychology there. And I headed out to Chicago for medical school. I went to Midwestern University. I graduated last week. And uh, in a, the US, we um, go straight into residency. We specialize first. So I'm going into internal medicine residency at Lenox Hill. I'm starting June 28th. And I happen to have couples matched, so I, which means I linked my application with my husband, um, who's starting ENT residency at Cornell Columbia. And I also have a little baby who's 17 months old. I had him during my third year rotations, which was definitely something fun and exciting, but also really scary. Uh, So I'm excited to get into it.
0: Great. Yeah, there's so much to talk about and I'm very excited to hear about it as well. So that's great. Yes. so do you want to tell us a bit, like, how you found medical school, like, how was it, you know, now you've gone through the whole journey, and you can also give tips to people who may be starting medical school soon, but how was medical school the whole, it's four years, isn't it, in the US? Yes. Now that you've finished it, how how was your outlook on the past four years? Four.
1: It was four years, four long years. (laughs) <laughs> the COVID pandemic hit like within the first six months, so that's definitely something more unique to my year. But I think looking back, the first two years are really hard because you're basically sitting there learning all the material and you spend a lot of time studying. It's it's lonely. It's hard. You're always comparing yourself to everybody else because you're talking about grades and which answers you got right or wrong on an exam. And you feel like you're really, um, you really become like a number, like your exam sort of st- starts to define you and it's very hard to separate yourself for, from how you're doing on your exams. But I, myself, was very lucky because I married to a fellow med student who at the time was a year older than me. So he gave me a lot of tips. He, I don't know if you're familiar with Anki are familiar with the Anki yeah. flashcards. So he, he always added all my flashcards that I needed based on my curriculum, which was very, very helpful. I didn't even have to think about that whole coding, which I know a lot of people struggle with. And it gave me a lot of um, Excel sh- spreadsheets with study schedules to make sure I stayed on top of it. I was always organized um, and tried to balance all of my time. A tip that I think I would give to everybody is to take advantage of, of advice from seniors, from second years, third years, fourth years from really anybody who you meet on a rotation, anybody you meet in the library, ask them, go over to them, even if you don't know who they are, introduce yourself and ask them a question about a professor, about an exam, about a resource that you may need, because you really never know where that connection may take you.
0: Yeah, oh, that's a really good tip, actually. Thanks for sharing that, because it's true that Obviously, you know, if you're struggling at medical school, you can ask your professor directly or you can ask, you know, to clarify the lecture or during a tutorial, or whatever. But it's actually also really useful to reach out to people in the year above because they've been through it and they for sure have like little tips about, you know, this professor likes to ask this question in the exam or this is how I revise for. I know in the US you have the board exam and everything, so it's really useful to like you say reach out to older people, I mean, older students and get their tips. So that that's really interesting um how was the um, like switch from you know pre-clinical to clinical years because I know it's a bit of a switch as well it's like a big change between the two for you guys for us as well we have that in UK no it's a it's
1: definitely a big change for me I was very very excited about it I love interacting with the patients and with the medical team my first rotation was internal medicine at Cook County Hospital in Chicago, which is definitely a very busy hospital, um, so I was definitely thrown into it. One of the first patients I saw my first week was somebody who, he had like lesions in his mouth, and the doctor was like, stick your head in here, come take a look, and the patient had herpes zoster in his mouth, and mm-hmm. I was six weeks pregnant, I wasn't telling anybody, and nor was I wearing an N95 mask, but I was so excited about this, I ran home to tell my husband, and he was like, I think you should start wearing N95 around the hospital
0: (laughs) oh wow so you wow that's a really interesting as well like that's a unique experience to be honest I'm not sure many people have that as well as you were saying you had a baby at medical school so how did it all plan out how did you decide this is the right time for me and how was the journey also of having a baby during medical school I think that
1: a lot of people say this, but I think that there is no necessarily right time. It was just something that worked for us. And Mm -hmm. I think it definitely makes me somebody who's more patient and compassionate and definitely able to juggle a lot of different things, which I think will help me hopefully in residency, which I don't know if anything can prepare you for that. But um, I'm looking forward to what um, the next chapter has in store. And as I watch my son grow, it's, it's something that I look forward to when I come home from the day.
0: Yeah, that's really interesting. And that's really lovely to hear as well, because as as part of this podcast, More Than Medical Students is also about sharing, you know, you can be a medical student and also be whatever you want to be at that stage in your life. So be a mom, be a wife and be a daughter as well. Um, so I yeah, I really want to talk more about did you know, did anyone try to like comment like, no, don't have a baby in medical school. It's not the right time or you're going to be too busy or, or did that not happen? Maybe not. And how did you manage with everything? How did you balance uh, work, studying placements and being pregnant and then having a baby?
1: No, that's a good question. Um, No one really talked me out of it. Everybody was very supportive. I'm very lucky to have a supportive family um, and a very supportive husband. I think in terms of balancing, it's just really just being good at time management. I'm somebody that has a lot of sticky notes (laughs) as I write everything down um, and definitely write what's based on priority. Um, Once you have a baby, I think Your life changes like no matter what, no matter how much you prepare, there's not much you can do for when you actually bring like a life into this world that you're responsible for. But I lived in Chicago at the time when he first came, and my family was in New York. But for residency, we are going back to New York, so we're really excited about that. We'll be close to my entire family and my husband's family, which will be really special and hopefully give us some extra hands for when we're pretty busy and not able to handle everything on our own like we were used to. But I think it's just having good communication, having really good support system, and recognizing that you can't do everything. Um, You can't be home to feed your son every night and also be the best in the um, while you're I guess doing rounds in the hospital so you really just need to be the best while you're in both places um, and prioritize your role as a doctor when you're in the hospital and your role as a mom when you're with your child at home
0: Mm, great yeah that's that's really interesting thank you for sharing that as well and in terms of like taking time out as at medical school is that something the medical schools like help you with or not so much how is that like more like paperwork part of the process I guess
1: It was actually I didn't need to fill out any paperwork. I took we are offered for eight weeks of vacation between third and fourth year for vacation or interviews or anything you may need. So I took four of those weeks for my like of my vacation, which worked out with just like a, a block of four weeks after I had the baby. And I actually had the baby December 29th, which was which was over winter vacation, so that gave me an extra week, which I'm definitely happy about. But I really enjoyed going back to the hospital. I felt. Very excited to go back and help patients and really use everything I learned as at being a new mom, a very new mom at the time, and, and really put that into my work as a student doctor.
0: For sure, I mean, I'm sure you learn so so much, um, and like from the human point of view, and also from all the like patients' point of view. Like you said, when you become a new mom, and um, yeah, it's very impressive. So congratulations for that. So no Thank maternity you. leave, just a leave that the you know all students have for like you said studying or other reasons at medical school, if I'm understanding correctly.
1: Yeah, it's amazing. Yeah, I th- I think it works differently based on like how much you need, like thank god everything was okay so I can't complain and my medical school was very supportive and my classmates were very supportive so I definitely was very very lucky in that regard
0: great that's lovely yeah I'm very glad to hear that is it's not common to uh, have a baby during medical school or did you have any peers around you that had similar experiences that you know you could chat with or chat through some concerns or anxieties with them or were you pretty much like no I'm just doing my thing and how was yeah, it, it was just that? me. Just you? <laughs> It was just me walking around in my scrubs
1: <laughs> with a big belly. Uh, but I did, th- I was very small because I was walking around in the hospital so much, which I think was very helpful for recovery. So I didn't really have to tell everybody, which was, mm-hmm. which was like, Great! I was able to just hide it a little more, instead of explaining everyone the whole story, yeah. how I'm gonna take off, how I'm gonna fit it in. Um, but I did have a friend who actually had a baby in the middle of fourth year, which I I think is a little people I've I've seen on Instagram and stuff that people do have babies in fourth year of medical school, and so we we we've been chatting a little bit and definitely supporting mm. each other. She actually brought her son up to her hooding during graduation, which was super cute.
0: <laughs> oh, great! Yeah. So is is fourth year a bit less busy compared to third year or we have more
1: elective time so it's more, more it's more like up to you it's it's up to you to decide how you want to spend your time mm-hmm. if you want to do more medicine blocks or like specialty blocks so you have a little bit more control over your over your time.
0: Mm, great. But like you said there's the right time is the right time for you. So you shouldn't base it on everything else that's happening around you. You should see like, like you said if you feel ready for it and at the time you want to have a baby then Um, go for it if if I'm understanding from what you're saying and from other people now for sure I think it's a great message yeah
1: for sure I think it's a I think it's a good message too I think it's important to share and I think it's it's always going to be scary so
0: Mm, yeah of course (laughs) yeah and yeah Yeah. like even having a baby during residency is going to be super busy so whatever right is the right time for you um, is super important oh for sure perfect Uh, Great. The other thing I wanted to talk about is you mentioned it as well already. So your husband is also um, a medic, going to become a resident as well. How... I think at med school, there's this like two different teams, the teams like I'll never date a medic or the other team like, of course, my significant other is also a Dr. because they can understand me sort of thing. So how what do you think about that? Is it is it easier? Is it difficult to, uh, you know, be in a relationship with someone who's doing the same course as you with the same pressures and everything? What what do you how was it for you? I, lo- I love that
1: question mainly, because I always think about it when people talk about um, dating a med student versus dating a non med student. I think there's pros and cons to both. I think, sometimes I think it's nice to not sit and talk about medicine. When I was doing anatomy lab, I remember all we spoke about was anatomy lab um, and obviously coming up towards the match, which is when we find out where we're going to residency. That's basically all we spoke about. Um, But at the same time, I really had somebody who knew what I was going through and who was very much supportive of what I was going through. Mm -hmm. I mean, to have someone fill up your Anki decks that's not to be Mm -hmm. taken lightly. (laughs) I know that my friends definitely struggled. Um, They used Reddit to help them figure out how to do the Anki codes. So I never had to do that. So I didn't only marry him for that, but I was lucky Mm -hmm. to have
0: that on my side. That's great. Yeah, That that's super interesting to hear as well. Um, the other thing I wanted to ask was how you talked about the couple matched process. Um, yeah, there might be some people out there who have questions or I wondering what that is, or if that could apply to them. Would you mind like chatting a little bit about that process and how you found it?
1: Yeah. yeah, um, I don't know if it happens anywhere else other than the U.S. I actually don't, I'm not familiar with all the other uh, medical systems, but I think it's really interesting to have chatted with you before this and learn a little bit more about what's going on in the U.K. But in America, if you are too... Uh, medical students, you are able to link your applications um, and enter the match together, which is basically the process that when we find out where we're matching for residency. And so my husband and I basically put on our applications that we are, he's matching with an internal medicine resident and I'm matching with an ENT resident. And the schools were able to see that. We were able to preference geography um, and sort of use that to our benefit because we're both from New York. And it's definitely stressful because when you rank it, you sort of have to rank every single interview that you get um together so if you have two interviews oh, okay. um within new york you have you basically based on location however feasible it is for you to guys to live in the same place and commute um you decide how many permutations you can have based on how many interviews you got so it's definitely stressful but it can be done and i'm very very lucky that it worked out for us <laughs>
0: Great. Yeah, no, it's, it's, a, I mean, I'm sure it has some great advantages, because that's one really important thing when you're matching is to obviously stay with your, your partner and your family. Yeah. So just so I understand at the moment when you're entering, like at the beginning of the year, entering the process of registering for the application to residency, you say that you're applying with that person and throughout the yes. system, you are linked and you're like making those choices together. Yes.
1: Right? Yes. You can get into you get interviews separately, obviously, yeah. but they see on your application that you are linked with someone else. Uh, if they want both of you, that's amazing. Um, and I think that it's definitely hard. I originally watched a YouTube video about the algorithm for couples mm. matching and it's hard because you need two people to match in a, in the same state or in the same place that they both um listed that they wanted together um but it is doable and if there are couples out there who are struggling with it you can do it just keep your head high and and get those interviews done and don't be afraid to ask anybody a question if you if you're wondering what
0: to do next that's great yeah and again yeah thank you for showing us that it is possible and that it's um it must be great for other people to hear this if they're in similar situations so thanks for sharing if you have like any useful like YouTube video or articles that you can send to me afterwards, and I'll put them in the description notes for anyone who is in that situation, I'm sure they'll be really no, useful. Oh, for sure. Um, no problem. Awesome. Great. And you mentioned as well uh, your mom suffering with breast cancer, and thank you for sharing that as well. Do you want to tell us a little bit more about that? And um, afterwards, like you know, I know you have a special project regarding that that you launched recently. So if you can tell us about that.
1: Oh, for sure. Um, so my mom was diagnosed with breast cancer when she was 34 years old. She is okay today, thank God. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm very lucky in that regard. Um, I know that it's not the same for every situation, but I do know from my experience how scary it is, especially when you're so young. Mm-hmm. I was in fifth grade at the time, so I was like 10 years old. And things that impacted me is different than what, how it would impact like a 20-year-old or a 30-year-old just because of, of silly things. Like I was afraid to say the word breast cancer which now is funny because I'm in mm-hmm. medical, I guess I'm post-medical school and we say the word breast all the time because it's a body part. Um, so things like that and, and things about like telling my friends and, and not wanting to be the girl with the sick mom in school. I think little things like that that I focus on in my book which I just published called Secrets Are No Fun which is about um, my experience as the daughter of a mom who was diagnosed with breast cancer. It's fiction so it's, it's, not, it's exaggerated and fictionalized but it's based on the true events. Um, And I go through all those different things where I talk about diagnosis and treatment and chemotherapy and radiation and surgery all from the perspective of a fifth grader and really try to explain um, what's going to happen and what you may expect with seeing your mom without hair or seeing your father cry or seeing your mom sick and not being able to, um, I guess, have the same routine that you were always used to because things are different um, when you have a sick loved one in the house. And I just wanted to make sure that no other child going through a similar experience feels alone because I know... At the time, there weren't any resources for me, but now I know with Instagram and TikTok, there are so there are a lot of people who are speaking out, which is so amazing. But sometimes you just want to read a book, so my book is mm-hmm. there.
0: Thank you again for sharing. So I said that's very personal, so thank you for that. I want to ask you more about two things. First, like you said, your experience of having a loved one with cancer and how that shaped your thinking as a doctor. What what do you think? Obviously, it was you were quite young, and you did say that it affected the choice you made to study medicine and how do you think it makes you a potentially better doctor now that you've had this experience yourself?
1: I think it's very important to recognize that patients, whether it's a diabetes check or it's a medication refill or it's a follow-up for chemotherapy or radiation, I think it's important to know that patients are afraid. It's important to know that their families are afraid and that a patient's diagnosis impacts more than just the patient, it impacts their entire family and their caregivers. And I think being a physician, I know it's hard because we have so many patients, but taking mm-hmm. a step back and recognizing that patients are so much more than their diagnosis um, and treating them with patience and compassion and really giving them their that time, no matter how much, much time it is, but making it good quality time and efficient and answering their questions and making sure they understand What's going on, what their treatment is, and what they may expect from their treatment side effects. I think that all goes hand in hand with seeing a loved one sick or or if somebody, God forbid, is sick themselves.
0: Mm, Yeah, for sure. It's true, like, of course, you know, when we're medical students or when we're doctors, sometimes it becomes our routine to see people who are unwell. And we have to form a sort of like, you know, we can't be too sensitive either because it's our job and we have to get on with it. But we must. We, it's really important to not forget that for that person, that day in their life is is really important because it's the day they've you know been told the bad news, or even just you know they were concerned because they had a headache and they came to see you. So for you, the patient is just one in the twenty other patients in your clinic that morning. But for them, it's yeah. they might have been waiting for this appointment for the past two weeks, and it's really important. So it's really yeah, it's really good that you have that obviously experience that um, makes you i'm sure really patient and a lot more like you were saying the, making sure the communication is really good and you're really taking the time for each patient so that that's really interesting um yeah you.
1: No, you see it for sure in the emergency department i don't know if you get rotate there now or if you did in medical school but in the emergency department it's so quick and patients yeah. come in and out with like immediate acute complaints and you need to figure out if they're staying or if you can treat them and you can send them home. But in those moments, they're so scared. So you really do need to take a step back and recognize that, yes, they're one of 100 patients you may be seeing, but there's is still a person and they're afraid and they've been waiting for a long time. So you have to give them that time. Mm,
0: for sure, for sure. And did it, um, how how did you find, for example, I don't know if you had that during medical school, any placements on oncology, like being actually you know confronted with with cancer as because I know sometimes when you've had something in your family it can make the placement a lot harder because you're connecting to patients in a different way is that something that you found if you had an oncology placement at all
1: I actually did an oncology rotation I did it in patients so I was only in the hospital mm-hmm. um, and I'm looking forward to possibly doing one outpatient so in more of a clinic setting and it's something I've I have i i I don't know if it's the same in the UK, but I'm definitely leaning towards primary care where I'm working with patients um, in a clinic, like all types of patients. But oncology, hematology has definitely has a special place in my heart if I consider mm-hmm. specializing just because um, it affects cancer, affects so many people. And I definitely have seen loved ones suffering from it. And being able to help treat them during this scary time is something that I would be lucky to do. Um at the same time, it is very personal, and it is very hard to see patients suffering every single day from cancer. Um, so I don't know. We'll see what happens. We'll see where residency takes me.
0: Mm. Yeah. No. It, it can be. Yeah. Really tough to see patients like this. I know what, one of my rotations was in endocrinology, but it was onco endocrinology as well, so it's a lot of cancer as well, unfortunately. And it was. It's a tough one to be on because the amount of like investment you have with each patient so huge because each story is each story is sad honestly of course it's going to be so sad each story that you meet but it's an amazing job to work in because of how much you can help the patients um, every day um, do you have any obviously it's, I'm sure it's very personal but do you have any advice to any perhaps other medical students who are finding certain placements tough because their loved ones has gone through something like this and you know how can they approach that or deal with that
1: that's such a difficult an interesting question, question. Yeah. <laughs> I think it's talking about it. I think one of the things is talking about it, whether it's mm-hmm. with your mentor or your preceptor or with a resident, um, because the residents definitely have experience in that regard, that they're encountering different patients all the time and they're bound to encounter somebody that reminds them of someone that they may love or someone that they're close with. And I think talking about it is definitely important just to Get your feelings out there, talk through it, and figure out maybe a solution for when you may encounter a similar patient in the future. And then I think with oncology patients for for sure, um, if it is with breast cancer, I mean you could totally buy my book. <laughs> I'm gonna yes. do a book plug, um, but it's an it's a it's an authentic read. It's an, it's uplifting. It's it just gives you a different perspective of maybe of a young child going through mm. seeing their mother sick, um, and maybe you could find some. I guess, some sense of peace from reading it or um, a smile or a laugh or something that will make you feel good. Um, Yeah.
0: Great. Yeah. Great. Thank you so much for sharing that. And I was wondering what made you decide to, you know, start writing a book about your experience? Um, Yeah. Where did that idea come from? So I
1: wrote it. I started writing it in high school, which was a long time ago now. It's 10 years ago. Um, and it's been a journey. The book has been with me since then. I've been changing it. I've been trying to publish it in different ways until I decided it's time to self-publish it and get it out there, and I wrote it because I didn't have a resource for myself when I was going through this as a little child, and I think that from the feedback I've received so far that it's something that is needed and it's something that has been missing. Um, Giving all types of people, parents, family, friends, like people who aren't children. Um, The perspective of what a young child may be going through, I think is important. But I also think it is important for children to recognize that this time is different uh, because like someone is sick in the family and life is going to change, you know. But while reading this book, maybe you could see that if someone else went through this experience, you aren't alone. Like you're this, there's other people going through it. And maybe there's someone that you could speak to who could help you through it too
0: mm Great, yeah, so it it's really interesting that, like you said, you wrote it in high school and you like it's always been with you, and now that's really interesting, it's actually yeah, really beautiful because it's almost like a diary, but then that evolved into something that wants to be shared uh with others, and the purpose of it is to be shared, so that's actually really, really lovely um, so is the audience of the book children and parents or anyone really, so it's accessible to anyone to read? What yes,
1: I, I originally wrote it. It's middle grade. So that means like ages nine to 12. Mm-hmm. Um, so it's definitely written in the voice of a fifth grader, which is how I believe I speak. Um, mm-hmm. But it, it's something that anyone can really read. Um, I I really wanted it to be uh, helpful for both children and adults but i do think it's mainly a child it's an easy child read Mm. um it's not something um that should take you like days to read because it's it's like 156 pages which Mm. is it's quite hefty but it's nicely written
0: (laughs) yeah oh great that's great so it means it can be used you know by the children or by anyone who just wants to know more about like you said the children's perspective of it which is quite quite unique and really important to read about as well great that's really lovely and um, yes, yeah, so you did wanted to write a book and not, for example, I don't know, share on Instagram or on YouTube or some other medium what is there something about writing that you specifically like or specifically enjoy yourself that's so so when I wrote it there I don't even think there was instagram yet <laughs> it was it wasn't even a
1: thing. Yeah. I was like it was ten years ago, So I must have been like I think I was fifteen or sixteen when I started mm. writing it um and I think YouTube would have been great. I think Instagram would have been great. I'm not necessarily, before I published this book, like I wasn't necessarily like on Instagram, but it sort of like evolves and got ahead of me. And I figured I have a platform to share an important story and show people that from difficult things you can, you can move forward, you know, and I know not every situation is the same and I know people have a lot of hardship, but this is just one unique story and I think looking back now, I would have loved YouTube because mm. I know kids love YouTube these days. And I think it would be a really great platform to make videos and connect with people and share my story.
0: That's great. And I mean, you, you still, you still can do that in the future if <laughs> there's something you're interested in. But um... teach me your ways how you do both <laughs> while you're in residency. <laughs> oh. Do you, yeah. Um, and do you, do you have so an Instagram right now? Do you share a little bit on there? Or is that just more around the book and around what you want to share through that as well? So I'm
1: hoping that I'll share as I start residency, we'll see what happens. And, but right yeah. now I've been sharing um, about the book, um, a little bit about graduations. Um, it can maybe evolve into just, I don't know, residency life. I know I see what you're posting and it's, it's really great content. So we'll see. We'll see what comes next. But I loved being on podcast because i think it gives you an opportunity to Mm. talk and really get to know people beyond just like a post um or a couple of second reels which i've learned to love to make um Mm. with my spare time right now but i don't know if that's gonna continue on and yeah we'll see
0: great yeah and i'm sure it'll be very valuable um i guess to show like you said um being a resident and also obviously with a a young baby because i think you told me earlier your your son is now 18 months old so that's very very you know exciting adventure to start residency and have him with you as well so I'm oh, gonna be sure. I'm, f- I'm sure full of challenges but it will be really nice to follow the journey as well and married yeah. to a resident that's okay yes. <laughs> <I literally, laughs> that's the that's the part I'm most nervous about because
1: I don't think I'm gonna see him but we'll get <laughs> through it
0: yeah lots of like calendar syncing rota software something like when oh, are you sure. not on for call sure. <laughs> <Great>. <laughs> when is anyone not on call <laughs> Yes. One other thing I want to ask you is you mentioned briefly the process of publishing the book and you ended up self-publishing it. How was that process?
1: So publishing the book traditionally was something that was definitely challenging. Um, I was more of a med student so I was pre-med in college where I studied mainly like chemistry, organic chemistry and biology. So the whole... Like getting into the publishing agency was something that was definitely foreign to me and something that I had mm. to learn on my own. So moving through there, I definitely sent out the email. I sent out the letters to the publishing agents and to the different um, publishing companies. And I definitely got some requests to read my manuscripts, But there's only so many people that's going to take... Uh, we, they call us unsolicited authors, which are authors that have never been published or authors with not such a big following on social media yet. But... Um, So I definitely think publishing your first book um, is is difficult. And moving on from there, I knew I wanted the story out there. I knew I wanted um, to make a difference in any way I can, even if it's in my small little part of the world. Um, And so I I clicked submit. I published it two months ago. And it's been really exciting. It's been really rewarding. Sometimes I get, I I can't believe I actually did it because it's really been with me for so long. Mm. And people are reading my personal account of of my experience as a child and trying to figure out who is who when really it's fictionalized and exaggerated but it's definitely based off of my family um, and what we went through so it's definitely scary but also exciting sharing about yourself and in the hope of helping
0: someone else great yeah that's really interesting and so when you say self-publishing it means there's no like company that edits it or how does it work I generally have no idea so you can tell us about. so
1: that. it just means so you could go to you could I had my book edited by multiple different people who are all qualified um, oh, I came great. with the cover already I, I, I had my cover made by a friend um, who's a very talented artist I knew what I wanted my book to look like. I knew all the fonts that I wanted because I wanted it to appeal to younger children and parents who buy books to, for younger children. Um, in that regard, it's very important before publishing a book to read every single book in that genre. Make mm. sure you're familiar with what's out there and if your book will be able to stand on the shelf with those books. Um, and once I had that all finished, it was pretty easy. I just called the publishing agency a self-publishing agency, meaning it's it's basically the warehouse through which they actually – create your book and they could distribute it through Amazon and Barnes and Noble and myself I've asked different um, bookstores in the US to carry it and they've said yes so that's really exciting and yeah you you can have them help you market it but I've mainly been doing it myself and I find that to be the most rewarding part because that's how I really get to connect and interact with different people.
0: Great yeah that's really interesting to hear because I've I've heard here and there from different people sometimes when you have an agency then things are a bit more out of your hands whereas here you seem, you yep. knew exactly what you wanted like you said on the cover and you at least you could exactly do whatever you wanted to make sure really reflected the message and that like you said self-market it if you wished. so that's really interesting to to hear that do you have any advice for anyone let's say who's currently a, a medical student or, or even a doctor who has this manuscript they want to publish and not not sure where to start or where to go um, what would you I say think, to them? <laughs> I love that. I think you should publish it. I think publishing
1: things in medical school that are not research papers is really exciting and unique. Mm. And I also think that Amazon, can, I think it's called Amazon. I forgot exactly what it's called. But publish, self-publishing through Amazon is very easy. You basically upload all of your materials and click publish. And mm. it's a really great site. It's, it's, it's great. It's easy to work with. Um, I didn't do it because it just seemed too easy. You basically were uploading everything and publishing in the same day. <laughs> I needed more hoops to go through to make it seem more legit. But I read a lot of uh, Reddit posts that, about Amazon publishing through Amazon, and people really love it. So I would recommend that. It's free. Um, and definitely make sure it's 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 how it looks before you send it out there, because you want something that you're proud of, mm-hmm. um, whether that's the cover or the author's note. Um, make sure that it's exactly where you want it to be.
0: Great. That's some really good tips, yeah. I want to ask you a couple of questions I always ask towards the end of the episode to people. Firstly, is there someone that you really admire or someone that you look up to and can be uh, you know, a famous person or someone from your family or someone from medical school that you want to share with us?
1: Yes. Well, I always say my mom, um, so I'm mm. changing it up this time, and I'm going to say my grandma. It's mainly because she came to this country. She's from Eastern Europe. She came to this country when she was in her early 20s, and she is a self-made businesswoman. You'll never see her in sweats. She's always wearing pearls, and she is just an incredible grandma, great-grandma also, mom, wife, daughter. Um, She lost her mother when she was young. She's been through a lot of hardships as she grew up, and she always came out smiling being thankful for what she has and really stronger for it so I'm very very lucky to have a grandma like her she came to my husband's graduation in Chicago from New York the week before she came to my graduation and helped us move back to New York Uh, and she's 75 years old so I hope that she can continue on um, in good health
0: oh that's incredible yeah oh that's really nice to to hear that stories as well from the family if she's listening hi to her as well and hello to your mom as well if they're listening (laughs) Um, my
1: my niece and nephew just ran and I'm so
0: sorry if that's on the audio. <laughs> no, no worries. That that's great. And the next question I wanted to ask is, is there anyone that you'd like to hear on this podcast who's either a medical student or also graduating like you who you think, yes, I want to invite that person to the podcast?
1: Oh I love this question. I okay, I've been following Claudia Green. Do you know who she is?
0: Yes. Yeah.
1: So I've been following her since I started medical school. And she just seems great. I definitely love to hear more. I even take the time. I listen to her Q&As. I love listening to them. Um, Claudia, if you're out there, you don't know who I am, but I follow you on Instagram uh, without sounding like a creeper. But she just seems very genuine. Um I'm excited. I'm excited. I was so excited when I saw that she matched dermatology. And yes. yeah, it's definitely good to hear more perspectives, different specialties, and people from all
0: around the world. Yeah, so I also love her account, and I think she shares a lot about balance as well at medical school, yeah. which is really relevant to this podcast. So that that's great, great idea. Thanks for that. And um, the other question I wanted to ask you was, if you could say something to your maybe 18 or 16-year-old self, what would you tell her? What tips or what guidance would you like to tell her now that could maybe help my, other listeners.
1: My 16-year-old self would be shocked that I'm a doctor and I published my book. Um, so what I would say is, It may not look exactly how you planned, but it's exactly where you're supposed to be. And even if it may seem hard, like the MCAT, that's what we take to get into medical school. Mm. The board's exams, all of it is really hard, but you're gonna get through it. And you just have to keep going, keep studying and put your head down and and do your work. and, And somehow, even if it's not exactly the way that you see it working out, it will work out.
0: That's great, yeah, that's a lovely message just to finish off as well the theme of the podcast is more than medical students we've talked a lot about different things already but do you have anything else to say about more than medical students and is this topic important to you
1: this topic is so important i when i saw that i was like that is the podcast that we need in our lives because medical students are known to be type a and stressed and studying all the time but that's not true we have i mean there was a guy in one of my interviews that told that introduced himself by saying that his hobby is to make maple syrup, which I thought was the coolest thing ever that he goes out to his maple tree in his backyard and makes maple syrup. So I think that there is just so much that you can learn from all types of students, but especially medical students taking the time to balance medical school and everything else that you're passionate about. It's amazing. And it's it's really important to continue those passions because life is always busy, but you got to make time for what you love to do.
0: Great, I love that. Thank you so much for sharing that. Yeah, well, I think we've come to the end of the episode. Was there anything else you wanted to share with the audience? You've already shared a lot of great tips and great things with us, but if there's anything else you want to say. No, I think this is
1: great. I, if whoever was listening, I, if you have any questions about breast cancer awareness or having a loved one that's sick or mm. couples matching or publishing manuscripts, um, definitely reach out. And thank you so much for having me on the podcast. This has been so fun and it's been great to get to know you and learn more about the UK process and what you're up to also. So
0: thanks. Great. Thank you so much. And where can people find you? I'll, I'll put it in the description. Like, yeah, where do you want people to like reach out to you? You could find me on Instagram. My
1: handle is Rifki Stein. Um, Stein is my married name. Um, and yeah, I, I'll send you the, I could send you the book link also. So you could put it Perfect. in. Perfect, So I can share um, it and people Amazon. can.
0: Yeah, and people, I'm sure they'll definitely go and check it out because it sounds really amazing. Great. Well, thank you so much again for taking the time to join me. This was a really great conversation and I'm sure the listeners agree as well. Thank you, everyone, for listening. And if you want to just message us to let let us know how you found the episode, we'd really like that. And thank you again, Rivki, for joining me.